irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Yeah, man. It's officially recording. Welcome to Razor Riffs. Yeah. How's my it going? With my, uh, hmm? with my one and only Alan Lee. How are you? How are you, Keith? I'm, I'm excellent. I'm really uh, fantastic, actually. Are you, are you enjoying the Zoom interviews? They're, they're turning it. out to be pretty I'm good. Loving. You know what? As far as I'm concerned, uh, I could do this. It doesn't matter. I, 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 I prefer this. Now, I, I tell you, I would like eventually for people to see us, like Rogan. And, and I know you shy away from uh, having people see us physically. But I don't think, in my opinion, I, I think they should, <laughs> they should see your ass and my ass uh, and not just our voices. But I don't give a shit. If right. You know, I'm your sidekick. You, you know, I mean, it's up to you, you know. If you want to be hidden, in, incognito, hey, bro, I'm with you. Okay, so Ross just emailed me. What do you say? He said, send me uh, a link. So I'm, I'm going to email him the link. I would do that. God, I thought he's canceled. Him. Well, he, why would he cancel, man? <laughs> just fucking with you. Yeah, don't, don't do that to me. No, no, come on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Text, text him. Don't. Hold on one second, pal. Okay. <clears throat> I forgot about these damn emails. Okay, I just sent it to him. It should have went through. Ross Patterson's on gonna come in and rift with us. I just sent it to him. I hope it went through. Emails, man. For the listeners, subscribe, rate, and review to Razor Riffs on Apple Podcasts. Right? Right, Alan? Yeah, go in and, and write a review. Yeah. Alan, do a little talkie to the guests while I make sure this went through, okay? Oh, yeah, sure. So, uh, hey, everyone out there, you know, uh, Razor Rips has uh, been uh, been talked about by a lot of comics here in Los Angeles, and uh, even our competitors. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name them, but they know who they are. Uh, they're a little jealous, right? And uh, I have to be careful when I go to these clubs. You know, uh, they go. So oh, you're, you're Alan. Ross uh, just uh, said, "Give him five minutes." So this is a perfect time for Alan Lee to talk. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, everyone out there is uh, 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 struggling with the corona. Uh, Keith is, and you know, we we, uh, we acknowledge that. I hope you guys are staying safe. Hey, uh, and, I don't mean to interrupt you, but our good friend of the show, Jeff Crone, says hi, Alan Lee. Hey, Jeff Crone, how you doing, man? Uh, uh, I don't get enough uh, time to talk to you guys or, or uh, really text you and all of that. You know, I'm I'm sometimes sort of like passed out and shit, and. Uh, and so, but I acknowledge, I, I, Meaty, you said Jeff Crone, bam, uh, he, he, he's very supportive. I really appreciate it, Jeff. And sometimes, you know, maybe we'll uh, hang out uh, one of the clubs there with uh, Keith. Jeff and, is a uh, good supporter of me. He, I think he's the only one who likes all my statuses. I love him very much. 
Well, you know, I, I'll tell you, I don't want to, I don't want to trump my, my friend Keith, but I tell you something. I, I, I'll tell you, Jeff, if you want to be a producer of the show, what? Uh, you, <laughs> we do need a producer. <laughs> I'm running out of contacts. <laughs> <laughs> Send your resume to Keith. Text it. Oh God. It. I'm like about to re-text everyone, be like, hey, wanna do it again? <laughs> but no, it's it's really hard getting interviews right now with this whole COVID stuff, you know, like because usually we would go to the club and ask the comic or whoever. Yeah. You know, so that made it a lot easier, but right now it's a little it's a little mm -hmm. tough, you know, mm -hmm. because uh, no one's well, – I got a haircut today. Did you notice? You know what? I, excuse me for not noticing right off the bat. I knew this would be different. Very attractive. Looking good. And I shaved my beard. Yeah. You know what? That's weird because I'm so used to looking at you like this since the day we met that I almost I, – I mean, it's not that – I thought the beard was cool, but, I mean, you know, look at me. I still got this weird mustache. It looks it cool, look man. The weird mustache looks cool. I appreciate that because, you know, some of the Mexican girls uh, at the Mexican Mart down the street where I get my food like 80% off, I go to Ralph's. So sometimes Ralph's is kind of chicken shit with their prices. And so I can get a roast, you know, I can get everything says 30, 40% off. And so they kind of like, they start talking Spanish to me and shit, you know? Yeah. Because they, they don't know. And then I say, hey, you know, speak fucking English. God, it freaks them out, bro. <laughs> Wait, yeah, dude, um, what was I going to say? Uh, you were going to talk about Danny Trejo. Oh, my God. Ross is good friends with Danny Trejo. Did you know that? I, I, I want to – listen. Listen, I really – you know, I'm actually a fan of Trejo. And my, my friend who was an alcoholic – You look like you, Danny Trejo. No, you know what? That's taking it – well, I'll take it as a compliment. I, I mean, Danny. You don't think you look like him? I do. I do. I could just be, be his twin brother. Yeah. Now, you I, could be a stunt double. I, listen. No, I'm taller than him. I, am, I, am. I love doing Con Air. <laughs> I'm a huge John Cusack fan, so I only seen you in Con Air. Mm -hmm. yeah. He was also on Breaking Bad. Did you know that? Yeah, he he, he got his head. He said a spoiler. I won't say it. Yeah, something very bad, something very bad happens to Danny. And Breaking Bad. Don't know spoilers. I I don't. I hate to be accused of giving people spoilers. You know. Because I hate it when they do that to me. Um, I don't know if this episode's going to be released in time, but I got my first uh, stand-up gig in a couple weeks at Fresno. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. So, you seem to, you seem to like have a karma where you, you go up there like like Northern California. Yeah, I know. I, so I'm hoping that it's good and it doesn't get canceled because I got to tell you, man, I haven't done yeah. stand-up in six months. Yeah. So I'm feeling kind of rusty, you know? Nah, it's like riding a bicycle. <laughs> it's like riding a bicycle? Yeah, you never forget once you've done it. You might be a little bit, you know, wobbly on the bicycle, but then, you know, it's, it picks up speed. You get you leveled out and you're riding the bike just like when you were 10 and 11. Yeah, yeah. So I, Ross said five minutes. I, I hope... It's because I don't know if he knows, but Zoom, we only have like 30 minutes. That's the one thing I don't like about Zoom. I have to, I think I need to go all out and pay the $13 to have the full hour, you know? 
But uh, I like your glasses, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, these are uh, not a new look. They're, they're my standard, you know, black framed that I like. So I have some red frames now. White frames, aqua frames, and uh, uh, I've got a classic Elvis frame that I'm going to start wearing. And, classic uh, Elvis frame? Yeah. Hey, look what I found today while cleaning out my room. The folks at, at home listening can't see this, but the folks at home watching can see this. Oh, shit. Is that a gun? No. Oh. It's my wow. mic stand. My very oh. first comedy mic stand. <laughs> Do you remember Centerfields? I love Centerfields. This was the mic stand that we used, man. Oh, wow. That's, that's like nostalgia. That's I'm getting all, all – I'm starting to tear up. Like my eyes are getting all watery. Yeah, I, I've been practicing jokes with it in my room for Fresno because wow. I want to be sharp. Are you, you know? yeah, are you gonna Are you gonna take it with you the the stand to Fresno? Like like as kind of like you know old school like went back in the day. Maybe take it up on stage. I can. Yeah, maybe talk about it. You could say, hey, you know, this is the, and you headlined. Remember, remember how you had the sign in front of Centerfields? You took a you took a photo of it. Yeah. Remember that? He's called Keith. Is that on your a comedy page? Yeah. Yeah, but you were like like on, on the It was on every the Monday. Yeah, I know. I was I was there if you remember. Yeah, you were there a lot. You listen, I got I had you know, I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna be card friendly. You headlined it. I, that's correct. I, you know that's very sweet of you to say this. You headlined Centerfield, Dallin. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Like, come on, man. You gotta yeah. give yourself more credit, you know, just because you do Stand up once a year doesn't mean you're not a stand up. <laughs> like, come on, you, on, dude. dude, you, you closed center field like, like the bitch that it was, man. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember how you got a standing the ovation from the bartender? I yes, I did, and I'll tell you something else. We had to handle the pool, uh, the people playing pool. Hey, Ross is we here. We should let him in. Yeah, sure. We'll let Ross in. I think Ross is connecting. Ross Patterson's in, man. I, I just can't see him. I don't see him. I don't see him. So I, I don't think uh, – Well, he's Zooming from Texas. Yeah, I should – that's a big state. It is a big state. I'm actually I'm actually thinking about moving to Texas. Yeah. You should come with me. Oh, I hear Ross. I don't see Ross. You, know, you can't see me? No. But how are you, Ross? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? Um, yeah, usually my head pops up in a box. Oh, yeah, no. Myself. I, don't, I don't see you. I, now your mic's off. Now your mic's back on. Mic's back on. Uh, there is no picture, and I'm looking right at it. Um, <laughs> uh, fucking Zoom, dude. Um, hey, it's cool, though. As long as uh, we could hear you. That's all that matters, right? Uh, is it? Are, are, is it a video show? Do you guys do video shows? Uh, no. This one, we, we promote the audio, but, you know, whatever. Um, fuck me, man. How is this not working? Hang on. I'm sure you're a good-looking guy, but I like the ladies. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> Let me, uh, I'd say what? I'm in, this, I'm in the studio today. Let me ask my podcast engineer oh, uh, to cool. turn on this video. Are you capturing video? Yeah. Uh, no, we're not, we're we're not recording the video. We we just we just oh. the audio. That's what I was. All right, saying. well, well, fuck you then. You don't deserve to see me. Let's go. 
<laughs> hey, but can you see me and Alan Lee? Yes, I can see both you guys. You're, you're totally good to go. Oh, that's all that matters, man. Yeah. Uh, so, Ross, I don't, I don't know if you know this, but uh, your podcast is called Ross Patterson Re- Revolution. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, the new guy was made by Le- Revolution Studios. Did you know that? I did know that. Um, that is not why I decided to name it that, though, however. <laughs> um, that'd be a little fucked up, man, if I'm just going from my first, like, childhood movie to, like, oh, hey, let's, let's keep that going for 20 years and see how, how long I can take this ride <laughs> out of the new guy. Um, no, to be honest with you, man, I'm a gigantic yeah. Prince fan. Um, and when he uh, – I did the – I started the podcast, like, right after he died, and I was like, well, shit – I might as well call it the revolution. I think Joe Rogan had named his the Joe Rogan experience because of Hendrix. Therefore, I was like, all right, well, fuck it. Prince just died. Let's do Prince. Like, I love Prince. Did, did you do uh, Drinking Buddies before you started Revolution? Yeah, so we did Drinking Bros in 2015, right around Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things where um, I could see the media landscape change in film um, where, you know, I, I owned a production company and they just weren't making as many comedies anymore at all. Like I could, I could tell the environment was getting censored um, and everything was getting super PC. And I, and I was trying to find the next shift in, in medium for comedians and uh, podcasts were just kind of starting to become a thing then. Um, you know, people weren't making a lot of money at it, but it, like at least, com- you know, comedically, you could get your voice out there uh, to a bunch of people, I thought. Um, and that's exactly what happened. And then, you know, I-, I didn't know it would turn into like a massive business. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, that enabled the spinoff of Ross Patterson Revolution, which is hosted with my wife, Jessie Wiseman, who's also an actress. And then she has a spinoff of Drinking Bros, which is an all-female show called Drinking Broettes. And uh, all three of those have been extremely successful. And, uh, uh, you know, it was kind of luck and then kind of having the foresight back in 2015 to see that this was going to be the next medium. Um, Because right now, I mean, fuck, man, everything is censored and it sucks in comedy right now. Yeah. Do, do you ever get scared on, like, because, uh, you know, you started your podcast in 2015. I, I wouldn't say you were the first podcast, but you're you're definitely in when it got before it blew up. You know what I mean? So yeah. you're also a pioneer in that way. Are you scared on the stuff you say? Like, maybe it'll come back to haunt you? Yeah, and, like, you know, even more so now, not with what I've said personally. Like, you know, whatever I've said of my friends have said, like, that's their own voice, and that's how they were thinking and or feeling. Um, you know, the, the, I think the gold standard in podcasting is, is currently Joe Rogan. And uh, with him signing that Spotify deal, I thought it was to get away from censorship on YouTube because a lot of our videos on YouTube podcast-wise are censored. Um, you know, we had Alex Jones on our show right after he was on Rogan's, and it stopped at 100,000. YouTube cut the video. What? At 100,000 views, yeah. And so... Uh, they also shut down the channel, like not shut it down, but they, they stopped allowing subscribers for about four to five months on it after we had Alex Jones on. Now, our bread and butter is in audio, so it didn't really matter. Um, video was just kind of secondary for us of like, hey, man, uh, let's get the show out there to more people. Um, you know, the quality has improved, uh, you know, as far as like HD and all that shit. So I think it is 
more fun to go back and watch podcasts now. So it's a, it's a big deal. But, um, you know, with the censorship thing, when he went to Spotify, 43 of his episodes have been taken down. Wow. And even he didn't conquer that. So, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I thought the Spotify deal was a game changer. And then it seems like he's, you know, he's kind of back in the same thing with, with YouTube on the censorship. Um, you know. I have a feeling a reason why they're not, uh, they're taking away a lot of Rogan episodes is because a lot of comics right now are getting accused of uh, inappropriate things and Me Too and stuff. And some of them are Rogan's good buddies. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, one of them is his, his best friend, Brian Callen, who I've done a few movies with, and um, I've cast him in some of mine. I'm a big fan of his, and I know that those allegations against Callen are, are false. I, I've known Callen for 20 years, and I think Hollywood has a tendency to kind of eat its own um, and not uh, look after your friends, so to speak. And so I, call, I, I hit him up the next day, and I said, hey, man, I, I've known you for 20 years, like, off and on, and... This, you're, this is not the guy that I fucking know, and I just want you to know that I believe you. And if you want to come on Drinking Bros or Ross Patterson Revolution and, and share your story, man, I will have you on the show tomorrow if you want. Um, right. And you can tell your side of the story. I'm not going to abandon you. And I think that's important. Um, I'm just curious as to why Joe didn't in some of these instances. Well, yeah. I mean, that that's a mystery too. But I, I think like uh... – I think everyone has secrets, so I think maybe he's scared of his secrets. You know what I mean? Maybe. And look, I, to a certain extent, we all do, man. I mean, Hollywood used to be fucking crazy back in the day. Um, and that's why a lot of people got into it, and it was fun. But it was pre-cell phone. It was pre-Trump. Um, it was pre-the uh, uh, cancel culture bullshit. And... Um, you know, everybody did fucking crazy shit, threesomes, drugs, uh, you name it. And it was like, that's why you came to Hollywood, baby, that's showbiz. Um, and that's, that's what was fun about it. And, you know, for people to come back 22 years later in Callan's case with a story about rape or whatever, it's like, not that I'm not sympathetic and not that I don't believe all women, but if something like that, that was that traumatic that happened to you, go and report it to the police. Right. Don't wait until somebody gets super famous and then 22 years later pop up with a story you know, three weeks after one of his best friends, Chris D'Elia, gets popped, like, um, it, it makes you harder to believe, uh, I guess. But, yeah, look, if you dig, you know, long enough, you're going to find skeletons in everybody's closet, to be honest with you. Yeah, I know. And, and that kind of, like, that kind of scares me because once someone finds out I'm good friends with Andy Dick, I think my career is done. Yeah. <laughs> is that true? You're friends with Andy? Yeah. <laughs> well, like, dude – I got a, like a funny story about Andy. Like, dude, I met him probably two or three years in living in, L in L.A. Uh, he was friends with my agents at the time, and they actually lived next door. And uh, he grabbed my buddy's dick at a, at a party at the house, right? Um, just, but it was, it was in a really funny way. Like, there was like a piece of art on the wall that my buddy was looking at. And he was like, oh, what's this? Um, and Andy Dick just walks over and he goes, oh, do you, what do you think of that artist or whatever? And he's like, I don't really know much about art. And then he just grabbed his cock, you know, um, <laughs> was it sexual? Was it comedic? Who knows? But like, you laughed it off, you moved on with your life and like, you know, no harm, yeah. no foul. Like, uh, I, to me, shit like that's hilarious and I don't give a fuck, but other people do. And you know, it is what it is.
Yeah, when the allegations on Andy came out, I was just like, dude, Andy does that to everybody. He's done that to me and Alan, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. He's done it to everyone. Um, <laughs> you know, I, again, it's one of those things of it's a, it was a different time, too, where, I, look, I always find male nudity and shit like that fucking hilarious, but yeah. other people don't. And, um, I, you know, it, it is what it is. I, I, I can personally say... I'm glad that I'm not a new comic like yourself, like coming up right now, trying to make it because right. I don't know how to navigate those waters of, Hey man, I'm a new comic. I want to do edgy material and that type of shit. Like everybody knows me in my movies at this point, I, I think, or my books at least like, I mean, shit, the last one was number one in the world for Christ's sakes. And like, wow. they're disgusting. Um, and it's like, I've established myself as a dirt bag for close to 20 years. Like, you shouldn't be shocked about anything I'm doing now. But if I was brand new on the scene coming out with this shit, it would be shocking. And I don't know that I would have the career that I've had, to be honest with you. <laughs> now, uh, I wanted to talk about your career for a second because uh, I feel like you and I kind of bond just in a way uh, that how you started doing comedy. Uh, I started it like that. You bought fake ID to do comedy at an at a at a comedy club and that's what i did mm -hmm. and i feel like that's not something a lot of comics do especially when they're younger you know what i mean so i wanted to see your your vibe on that like what inspired you to to do that well i think if you have a an overwhelming love for something and a passion for something at such an early age um like mine was 16 uh when i started doing it stand up like nothing will stop you you know, right. nothing should stop you. And it was like, you know, I lied to my parents and uh, snuck off to this fucking uh, open mic competition where you could win, you know, $100 or whatever it was at the time. And nothing was going to stop me because that's what I loved. And that's that's what I wanted to do the rest of my life was do um, comedy. And uh, if you recognize it when it's happening at whatever age it is, like, whatever you do in this life, you should be passionate enough that it, it should overwhelm you and just force you to go do it at any cost. Mine was at the cost of getting a fake ID and then going to downtown Atlanta, which for a white kid going to downtown Atlanta at night isn't the safest goddamn thing in the world either. You know what I'm saying? Like Atlanta's is cleaned up, you know, since, but it, it wasn't the greatest city to go downtown on as a white kid at 16 years old, like um, in, a, in a beige Ford tempo, um, you know, with beige interior. So it's one of those things where, you know, clearly I love it. I still love it to this day. And that same passion has never gone anywhere. Therefore, you know, I've been willing to take the risks that uh, I've, I've taken, I guess, my entire career. So when, when I bought my fake ID and I went to the club, like the club uh, bouncer just looked at me and I was like, it's pretty good for 130 pounds, huh? <laughs> really yeah <laughs> that's fucking hilarious dude um yeah um, um but yeah <laughs> um uh i wanted to ask you what was it like working with ed dector on it on because uh i think he's one of the best comic writers ever but he's only directed one movie the movie you were in and he hasn't done anything since so i'm thinking maybe he was a a tough director or something no man it was actually the opposite um ed was the nicest guy in the world and i think 
to be a massive Hollywood director, you almost need to be an asshole. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a tough gig, especially when it's a studio. Like, you know, when it's the studio's money, man, and they're throwing millions of dollars around, you've got to play ball and do what they say. And, um, you know, only when you're to the level of like a Scorsese where you can fight back on certain things. And, uh, you know, I think because Ed was a writer. Ed was a really great writer. He still is. Yeah. Um, and I think after that, the pressure and everything else, you know, of, of making that movie on a studio scale, um, uh, after that, he was probably like, fuck this, man. I'd rather go back and write and not deal with that, any of this bullshit. And I get it, man. I don't, I don't have the answer because I haven't seen him in, in years. But uh, that's my guess. Having directed movies, produced them, written them, and, and starred in them at this point, like, I feel like I've done everything you could possibly do on a movie set. And uh, the pressure behind directing is something much greater than uh, anything else you'll have to deal with uh, on an independent or a studio movie. And, uh, and it's a lot, and a lot of people don't want to do it. Like, you know, for me personally, I enjoy directing for the power of it I have in the edit, but it is not a must thing on my bucket list because it'll probably cause an early heart attack, to be honest with you. Wow. Uh, that was another question I had for you because you, uh, one of the first move, movies that you were the star in, you actually wrote, and I forgot the name of it, but I remember it had Tara Reid in it. Yes, uh, it was a movie called Seven Ten Split. Seven Ten Split, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what was that like? Where like you, like you, you sold the script and then you got cast as the lead on that. Like, was how was that? Like, how did that throw you off, or did it, and did it? like help you get more prepared for the business? So I, I knew I had always wanted to star in my own shit, right? Like um, you audition for so many things that it's like, dude, I'm a comedian and, and like the new guy, like I felt that I was a, a pretty decent actor, um, but let's face it, that could have been any good looking dude in that movie, right? Um, what I really wanted to do was be the funny guy in a movie um, right. and do what I actually do, which is comedy, um, instead of like throwing midgets and trash cans and shit like that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I did a bunch of teen movies in a row and uh, it's great notoriety. It, it, it gets you very well prepared for the business and everything that that encompasses. And, uh, but I knew that I wanted to write, produce and eventually direct. So with that one, I was like, look, if I can write my own script and star in it and write my own ticket, I will have a better shot than waiting around for Judd Apatow to call me to be in his next movie. So it was always the intent to star in that movie. I had gotten offers just to buy it, but um, I wanted to star in it as well and start that chapter of my career versus trying to wait to get cast in, you know, Talladega Nights or something else that I that I wanted, you know, or, or movies that I had liked, right? right. Um, but with that, I learned a lot where... That movie in particular uh, was four and a half years worth of meetings for me. I took 143 meetings for that. Um, and then the last meeting I had taken, like after four and a half years, I was exhausted. I got a call from my manager that was just like, hey, man, meet me. Uh, you're going to meet this investor at this shitty uh, breakfast place in, in the valley. And uh, I got there. It was this dumpy little diner. It only sat like 10 people. It was just me and him. And he slid a cocktail napkin across the table that just had 10 actresses' names written down on it. And he goes, look, I heard you've been having trouble with financing. If you can get any one of these 10 actresses, I can sell this movie around the world and I'll finance this within six weeks. And you'll be shooting within six weeks. Wow. On that list was Tara Reid. Um, and I was friends with Tara. I'd known Tara for years at that point. And uh, 
she was like, hey, bro, I'm down. Like, and she did it for fucking nothing. Like, she did that movie for scale. I mean, it was, it was nothing. Yeah. And, like, at the time, it was a big deal. Tara was a big deal. She was just coming off of American Pie, the franchise. And, um, you know, it was before any public shit happened to her. And uh, she did the movie. And sure enough, within six weeks, dude, we were shooting that. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I hope yeah. I had that same success because I, I wrote a romantic comedy it wasn't about bowling or whatever, but you know, I'm trying to meet a guy at Mel's who has a list of ten actresses, and hopefully, I could stalk them and beg them. Huh. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's a different time though, like independent film-wise. Like, it, people are having a really hard time financing them, and uh, because the the ultimate question is, where do you sell it to, and where do you show it? Right. Um, if it's a comedy, none of these film festivals match up to what we do, man. Like, there is no comedy portion at Sundance. There isn't one at South by Southwest. There isn't one at uh, Tribeca or, or Cannes or any of that shit. So it's like, all right, cool. Well, where do I showcase this to get it sold, bought, and et cetera? And it's pretty much down to Netflix. The only problem is Netflix is only paying like 50 grand these days for like an independent movie. And once it's on Netflix, nobody's gonna go buy it on iTunes. So unless you can make a movie for under 50 grand, Good luck, but Netflix wants to own their own content too. So it's like they're not really keen on on having independent films on that on that uh, streaming platform. Now, does does that like um, discourage you in a way on like pursuing other projects or like like because I mean that's got to hit you in the gut a little, you know what I mean? It does. It does, man. And it 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 changed my focus. And again, like with podcasting, you know, I started a media company. Uh, about two years ago and we own like eight podcasts and we're acquiring more oh, and awesome. I think that is yeah and I think that is the best way for comedians to get their voice out there at a level that you don't have to go out and get financing that you can do it from anywhere you are and may the best man win um, and I genuinely believe that like one of the, the the guys that I'm the biggest fan of in the world right now is a guy named Tim Dillon and oh, I love Tim Dillon same man and he's one dude he does the show by himself doing a podcast by yourself without guests is really really fucking hard and is really fucking hard to be good at and tim dylan is great at it and he is destroying right now and it's yeah. one dude on a shitty set uh with a guy who can barely look up things on a on a laptop next to him and he is fucking hysterical and it doesn't matter now the the problems with the films that you and i were just talking about 10 years ago, I didn't have that outlet, whereas comics do now. So which is better or worse right now? I don't know the answer. If you're a film lover, you're probably disappointed at the way films are going now uh, as a comedian. Uh, but if you're just a natural comic and you're funny as shit, dude, all day long, look at Tim Dillon and you can realize that it is possible to get your voice out there and heard by millions just by one dude in a microphone, which is old school shit, the way it used to be back in the 70s, you know? You know what a good role for Tim Dillon will be is like if they make a, like Home Alone 45 years later, you know, he could be Macaulay Culkin, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, fuck man, with everything Tim Dillon said, there's no goddamn way you're, there, he's getting a movie. I can promise you that. <laughs> no way dude did you imagine there's no way a studio head would be like yeah grab tim dylan dude did you hear what he said about wayfair and and hiding kids in cabinets there's no fucking way like same with me they're not putting me as a studio lead right now are you kidding me like all the shit that i've said 
Well, if I ever sell a movie, I would definitely cast you in a studio lead. I think you're hysterical, man. I appreciate it. I do too. But, uh, you know, the studios are looking at more than just acting now. And they're, they're combing through social media accounts. Um, and then publicists, man. If you have a publicist, there is a scrubber um, who goes and scrubs your social media for you if they feel that your content was too aggressive. Oh, oh yeah. That's ha happened to me once. Uh, yep. I got in big trouble because uh, I made a joke when the Lincoln Park guy died and um, I was trending and it was honestly, it wasn't a joke about a suicide. It was more about the joke about the band breaking up. And I said, uh, I said, Hey, does anyone want my Lincoln Park tickets? I can't go. And my manager just like bitched me out. He's like, yeah, take that down. And, and like, by the time I tried, I was already trending. So everyone knew about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and once that happens to you, like, that is happening to every actor and actress right now. So whatever you say is being scrutinized, they're watching, and it's like, you know, they want the safe PC shit so you can sell around the world. But, I mean, when's the last time you saw, a, like, a great comedic film? Ooh, I would say the last great comedic film I saw was the very first Hangover. So, and how long ago was that, 10 years ago? 10 years ago, yeah. Wow. That's how fucked it's gotten. When you have to go back 10 years to find your favorite comedy, yeah. I mean, there just isn't a lot being made right now because of that reason. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the last uh, great comedy film you saw? Shit. Um, <laughs> I would have to say maybe MacGruber. Um, oh, okay. MacGruber, I'm, I'm huge on. Um TV-wise, though, they're making some great shit. Like, one of my best friends is in uh, The Righteous Gemstones on HBO with Danny McBride. Oh, okay. That's dope as fuck. And then Vice Principals is dope as fuck as well um, with, with Danny McBride. But he's using the same cast and all those people, and, like, he's able to get away with murder, which is great. Um, but uh, I've kind of veered or leaned more on, on television for, like, uh, comedic narrative uh, shit right now. Now, with this uh, COVID stuff going on, I don't know if you uh, believe in the virus or don't believe in the virus, but is it hurting, like, you doing auditions and stuff with the Zooms auditions? Like, cause I don't audition. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't strike me as a Zoom auditioner. No, and I, I look, I haven't, knock on wood, I've been fortunate. Like, when I started my production company in 08, 09, um, I've only auditioned for things that I wanted to. So I don't, I don't need any, like, I, I don't need a pilot. I don't need a fucking movie. I don't need any of that shit um, because I've, I've paved my own way through podcast books and, uh, and the movies that I made through my production company that I, I don't need it. So if someone asks these days, it's got to be something I really want to do. Like I, the last audition I physically went on was – Eastbound and Down. And I really wanted to do that show yeah. um, because I loved it. Um, and it was a small character, but I, I loved the show and that was it. And, and uh, before, and, and that was shit, man, I think 2015. Um, the one before that was a, a, a thing with Martin Lawrence and I'm a, I'm a huge Martin Lawrence fan. But I think those are the only two auditions that I could name in the last 10 years yeah. that, that I've, I've wanted to go on. And again, man, I've been fortunate to be able to do that. Like, if you're a working actor, though, you can't fucking do that shit. You got to read for everything. Yeah, that's true.
So you, you're making uh, the money through the podcasting and the comedy, which is the comic stream. You know what I mean? Yeah, and movies, man. I mean, look, um, I did a, I wrote, directed, and starred in a movie and and produced in uh, 2016 uh, called Range 15. That was the number one grossing independent movie of 2016. And you know, me and all my friends owned all the rights to that. Like so. Um, you know, FDR American Badass I owned, like all this shit that I, I owned, I personally owned. So when they came out, I owned the films. Um, and, uh, you know, I think through my production company, we made 10 or 12 movies and then sold five or six uh, pilots. Um, and then shit, man, I've sold like 18 or 19 screenplays. Like I'm, I'm rewriting a movie for MGM right now. Oh my God, that's awesome, man. Yeah, so those are all like paid gigs and it's like, all right, cool. Um, you know, it's a, ironically a teen comedy that I'm, I'm writing for them, but, uh, uh, or rewriting for them. But, uh, yeah, man. So like on the writing front, like shit, you know, my last, like I said, my last book was number one in the world. So like things are great. I, I don't, yeah, I don't need the money for shit. <laughs> it would be to- like, it, it would be shitty for me to say otherwise to be like, oh yeah, fuck. You know? <laughs> Alan had a question about your FDR thing alan you want to hear us yeah, it's uh, uh it's glad to have you on the show uh, it's, it's uh, you're an amazing guy um the <laughs> the concept of, the, of of a president thank you by the way <laughs> <laughs> you're an amazing guy <laughs> and i just leave it i like to leave it super uncomfortable with uncomfortable sounds like yes i am an amazing guy and you're correct um <laughs> But that whole, con- you know, the, the Lincoln thing with the uh, with the vampires. I, I mean, I thought that was those were such great ideas in the monster genre. So when you uh, came up with the idea for the FDR uh, movie, what was the yeah. initial- were you were you looking at that as an idea within the the whole monster genre? And you said, you know what, this is a go. You know, let's let's get a president of the United States uh, to fight. Uh, I, I mean, it's, I, I thought that was totally cool. But you just that, that concept was just inspired by your just you like monster films or you just said hey you know what uh i can do this and and uh you know what was in this yeah so i dude I, for a while man i went on this fucking huge binge of uh like spoofing b movies from the 70s oh, that's great that's so great. like there's fdr american badass there's a uh, pool no. boy drowning out the fury um shit uh, Helen Keller versus Night Wolves, um, <laughs> and they're all like they're all kind of written like airplane, sure. and like you're you're leaving yeah. like I was leaving like like uh, cameramen in the shot, boom mics in the shot, like on purpose things like that. Like I love that genre of those shitty '70s movies. Yeah, and yeah. so I made like four or five in a row that were really funny. Um, sure. And with FDR in particular, it was FDR. I think he was fighting like the mafia or something at the time, and. Uh, I went to some financiers and they were like, hey, man, I don't know that we can finance this, but if you give it like a horror element to it, it would be great. And um, I was like, awesome, man. What about werewolves? And they were like, yeah, how would you do that? And I was like, well, what if we made the access of evil of like Hitler, Hirohito and uh, Mussolini werewolves? Like, I'm sure that would satisfy your financiers. And they were like, yep, that'll do it. And they wrote me a check. And it was like, great. Um, and then I figured out a way to reverse engineer it to make it cheesy and over the top and funny. And like, um, you know, like, you know, it takes place in the, the, uh, the forties, obviously, but there's like, if you look closely at the, at the hospital, like there's glass doors that are closing and you're like, dude, that's not a thing. Like that didn't exist back then. <laughs> um, 
you know, I, I, I intentionally made the, the werewolves look shitty. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, right. Like little things like that. So you could, you could know when you watched it that, that you were spoofing a genre. Um, but it allowed me to make snappy dialogue for the characters along the lines of airplane. And then yeah. I, what I did was I hired a bunch of dramatic actors to act it out because that made the, that enhanced the comedy more. So what you were seeing was like shitty set pieces. Sure. Yeah. Ross, uh, you just moved to Austin. Uh, how, how's that going? Do you, is the scene, like comedy scene, going pretty good there? Oh, man, are you kidding? No, I'm dead <laughs> serious. They just closed down the comedy club last night. What? Yeah, man, it's gone. Um, oh, fuck. So Bro Rogan moved here, and there's a rumor that he's going to open up like, uh, like a ranch, kind of like Chappelle's doing right now. But... Um, you know, COVID nuked it, man. Like, um, it's uh, when you can't open up your business for six months and you still have to pay the lease on that building. So what a lot of people don't understand is like that lease doesn't go away. Um, they just couldn't afford it anymore. And they literally just closed. So that huge club that has been iconic here for years just closed last night. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it, look, I stopped doing stand up a long, a very long time ago. Um, and, uh, uh, I'll, I'll leave it to the, the people that are diehards um, who, who are in and out, you know, at it every night. Like, like look, Rogan's a, a diehard. That's why he's so great. But um, uh, it's sad, man. And I, it's going to happen around the country. Um, if these places don't open back up, it, it's going to fuck all these small businesses, comedy included. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I co-book a comedy club in Huntington Beach, and oh, we're, we're barely, like – we're supposed to open in October, but I don't think we will. And I think if we push back any later, I think we'll go out of business, you know? Yeah. And so that's what everybody's faced with. And like, you know, you're bumping up against that month right now. And that's what happened to Austin. So wow. I'm not sure, you know, out of all of this shit though, somebody will open up a new one and it'll be inevitable, but uh, I miss the old spots, man. I mean, it would be like if the comedy store closed in Hollywood, you'd be like, shit, that's... We're were you a big fan Deflo. of the comedy store in Hollywood? I was, man. Um, both. The Laugh Factory and the Comedy Store. Mm -hmm. They were both iconic. And, like, I would say, you know, as far as nostalgia goes, the Comedy Store more so. Um, I just felt that it was more intimate, like, the environment and everything. But um, uh, I was, uh, yeah, a, a huge fan of that, man. Um, and, uh, you know, they haven't been open for a very long time. All right. Well, hey, Ross, we only have five minutes left, and I wanted to read these Twitter questions we had for you. Uh, do you like? Sure, God. Do you like Twitter questions? Uh, <laughs> Twitter's a hellhole that is like a necessary evil, but it is it only spews hatred. But I'm down to for any question across the board. I don't give a shit. Fire away. <laughs> okay, Ross, is there any chance that you're going to be doing a comedy Netflix film? Um. Potentially, I would love for the this last books the book series that I'm on now. The new one comes out at Thanksgiving. Like uh, people have asked if that's going to be made into a TV series a lot and or a movie. Um, the hope is yes, but it depends on how PC they want it. Like I'm not willing to give on certain aspects, but we'll see. So I, I would say yes. As far as a stand-up Netflix, though, no. Um, I am not in comedy shape stand-up wise to do a great one hour. And if it's not going to be great, I, I won't, I won't even consider it. Do you, uh, this is my question, not a Twitter question, but is there any, like, do you want to get back into doing comedy? To, Cause I think you could do that one hour, you know, I could, 
However, I think going live, because look, Drinking Bros is six days a week. Ross Patterson Revolution is, is four days a week. I, I mean, I'm, I'm live every day for essentially three hours at this point. So I, I feel, you know, because Drinking Bros is 9 million listeners. Ross Patterson Revolution is, is 1.8 million. I, I can't reach that amount of people inside a comedy club anymore, whereas I can do it through podcasts. So it would be a disservice to stand-up comedy if I just went back in and took a fucking deal. Because I've had agents call me and just be like, hey, man, Netflix will pay you X just to come do a, a comedy special because of how big your podcast following is. And I was like, man, it'd be shitty. And like, I respect the craft that much that I don't want to do it. There's some other comedians that have taken the money and I'm sure you know who they are, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not going to do it unless I can be great at it. Oh, well, I, I, as, a, as a friend and a fan to comedy, I think you would be great. But I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Thank you. I, and look, maybe someday I'll never rule it out. But uh, right now, it would be too difficult managing this many shows through the media and network. <laughs> this one's from uh, XWolf421. Ross, who's the best on-screen kiss you've ever had? Uh, Dominique Swain, uh, oh. who played uh, Lolita. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, I'm married. I probably shouldn't be saying that shit, but whatever, man. She was. <laughs> she, she went for it on every take, man. There was a movie uh, called Stuntmen, and she played my, my wife in that. She was great. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> Was that the most unusual question you've ever had? <laughs> no, no, not even, not even close. But it, I think it's the most unusual answer because I had to think about it where I was like, shit, I've done 30, <laughs> close to 30 movies. Some are so bad that they're not even on IMDb, for Christ's sakes. Um, they never even came out. So, um, yeah, I, just, I had to really dig back. And I was like, man, who was the best? It was Dominique Swain. She wins that one. Uh, uh, this is the last uh question that we have uh, ross did eddie griffin intimidate you on the set of the new guy no he was the fucking best man and uh his hotel room was next to mine on the new guy um and uh and ironically we shot it in austin texas and him and i used to go out and burn it down every night man eddie fucking parties um <laughs> but i have not seen him in many years many many years but uh dude that guy fucking raged dude yeah, um and he's nonstop. The energy that he has on his stand-up, like, that's, that's how he is in real life. Yeah. I, uh, I met him when he had his show at the Rio in Vegas. And uh, the guy did almost four hours, man. Like, it was just incredible. Yeah, he'll, he'll go and go and go, man. Uh, uh, you know, I heard he's kind of an asshole now, but I haven't, I haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, I know he had an incident where he pissed on the audience at uh, the Laugh Factory. But who knows? <laughs> I'm dead serious. Yeah, I know, but that's a way to uh, make it, you know, to trend, you know, yeah, back then. I guess, pulling out your dick and pissing on people. Um, you know, it goes one way or the other. You can go the Eddie Griffin route or the fucking R. Kelly route. And, uh, <laughs> that's you know, true. you be the judge of what you wanna, who you want to piss on. Well, Ross, where can the folks at home follow you and support you? Twitter, Instagram? You know, I don't give a shit about Twitter. Um, you, can go, you can go on Twitter and tell me to go fuck myself if you want. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll answer. But um, I, I like Instagram because it's pictures and it's a lot less like political shit, whereas Facebook is political. But uh, truthfully, man, uh, you, can, you can just follow my podcast every day. Like Drinking Bros podcast uh, and Ross Patterson Revolution is, is the best avenue. And then uh, 
uh, Instagram, uh, you know, it's uh, Ross Patterson is verified. And, and I think it's um, uh, at ST James, ST James is my uh, username, which is a character in one of my movies. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing it, man. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that you didn't ruin my career. <laughs> no, but I, dude, because we have to see we have a couple minutes left on this thing. Because um, uh, Zoom gives you like a time limit now, which is super yeah. fucking rad. Um, I, when you hit me up, I thought you were like, hey, man, I'd love to come on Drinking Bros. And I was like, don't do it, man. You're going to like, it'll be a Holocaust joke in like the first five minutes. Like your career will be over. You're a young dude, man. Like you don't want to get involved with people like us. Like that. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, but then when you were like, hey, come on my show, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'll come on your show. <laughs> I wouldn't come on Drinking Bros if I were you. Look at yesterday's. We had a Medal of Honor recipient and a fat dude who wrote big cums on his stomach, dude. You know, shirtless, so. <laughs> was it welcome. Dylan? No, no, it was another, it was an actor named Jack Mandeville. Uh, it was really fucking funny. Well, Ross, man, thanks. It was awesome talking to you. I'm glad we finally got you, buddy. Yeah, man. Oh, fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Thanks for having me, guys, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, let's let's do it again when this whole thing comes out. We'll, we'll go out when you're in L.A. For sure, man. And we can do this on camera, too, one day. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. All right, Ross. Have a good day, buddy. Take care, you guys. All right. Uh, that was Ross Patterson, guys. Uh, man, as Alan Lee would say, what a hoot. It was. It was I, 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 saw the, I saw it coming. Uh, <laughs> it's all coming. <laughs> I can predict a party. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we got 30 seconds. Uh, we got to go. But, Alan, I'm going to call you right when this ends. You better do that. All right, guys. If you like the show, subscribe, rate, and review, raise the riffs, follow us, and like us. And like us. Patreon. Right. You can throw money at us. Throw money. Exactly. We love money. Got to go. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash Keith and on Cameo www.cameo.com slash Keith If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it and we'll rift with you again soon. <laughs>